welcome to the Keon Sports Network. Today our guest, Barry Horowitz, WWF legend. Sit back, put your feet up, and grab something cold to drink. Up next on the program, Barry Horowitz. Welcome in once again. I am your host, Vince McKee. Today, Barry Horowitz, one of the many WWE legends we have had on the show over the last couple weeks. We do have a busy week ahead with also Bill DeMott, Dory Funk Jr., and the Patriot Dell Wilkes. But we started off today with the one and only Barry Horowitz. Without any further ado, let's get him to the phone. All right, on the hotline now, Barry Horowitz, obviously of WWF uh, legendary fame. Barry, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Vince. It's, um, I'm glad to be part of it. Appreciate it. Yeah, we're glad to have you on Keon Sports, and we'd like to start right from the beginning with you here. How did you become interested in the world of professional wrestling? Oh my God! Wow. <laughs> well, basically, when I'm where I'm from, St. Petersburg, Florida, I was probably I'm going to say between 13 and 15 years old, and we were moving in a new house. And you know when you move in a new house, you got furniture all over the place, and it was, we're trying to set up stuff, so we just had a TV set, we were moving in for like days, had the TV set and just propped it on a box, I think, and I think we were, had some takeout or something, and WTOG Channel 44 here in Tampa comes in, Florida Championship Wrestling, Mr. Clean against Thunderbolt Patterson. I was hooked. I said... Oh, that's, um, I was a fan of it at first, and then this is what I wanted, and then um, it wasn't a pipe dream. It was constantly pursuing. I mean, this is what I knew I was going to do. Any job I took, I didn't tell uh, my employer that I'm going to be a wrestler and stuff, and if I did, half of them didn't believe me, and um, I knew that that was my destiny. I was going to do that, so... You know, I started, in my eyes, the right way. I started training as far as working out, you know, uh, gaining weight and lifting and, and whatnot. And um, then the next step was to be trained by a real professional wrestler that had stability and um, accountability and know-how. So that's how I got started as far as how I got hooked on that. As far as the, the rest of the story... Basically, a friend of a friend knew an entrepreneur businessman, businessman, and he's a multi-multi-millionaire. And he liked me. I guess I was, you know, friend of a friend of a friend, and he had uh, influential power, and very, uh, he knew a lot of people in Tampa. And, you know, he wasn't interested in wrestling, but he, he knew how to get in touch with people. And he just gave me this, uh, I think it was, yeah, he just gave me this name on a piece of paper. It was almost like a interview to go see the great Boris Malenko. And I said, holy crap, you know, I met him. I went to a judo school, and it was owned by a world champion uh, judo practitioner. I think his name was Ed Malley. And he won countless trophies. It was a judo school. It, it wasn't uh, the, the best of schools, you know, um, we're just in a big room and uh, taking bumps and backdrops and suplexes from uh, the Malenkos and Carl Gotch and Carl von Stroheim and um, it was, uh, that's what we were doing. I, I, I signed my paperwork and I signed up. There was only 10 of us in there and I think only two of us or three of us made it into the mainstream. And then we finally went from there after, I guess, five months, six months to a Florida mattress factory. It was an old condemned mattress factory, but it had two rings in it. It was about 100 degrees in the summertime and about 40 in the winter. And maybe a small bathroom, a fan, and uh, I think you had to bring your own water and so forth. But the rings were the most important thing, and they were good. And that's where I, you know, learned better, you know, how to get into a ring and how to take falls out of the ring. And I did that three times a week with a part-time job and training with the weights, three hours a night for at least a year and a half until I was ready to progress from school to getting on the road. That's incredible. Now, I wanted to ask you, too, before we get into the uh, – 
you know, we got a lot of stuff to talk about, but <clears throat> before we talk about your GWF days, um, you actually did spend a little bit of time, in, you know, early, early on in the WWF, uh, between 87 and 1990, during that first stretch with the WWF, who were some of the performers that you enjoyed working with the most, and who were some of the performers that you tried to avoid having to work with or didn't particularly care to have to share a ring with? Okay, let me get that. I, I couldn't hear you. It was a little distorted, but mostly who I enjoyed working with from 87 to 90, is that what I heard? Right, in the WWF, and then who did you not want to work with? <laughs> uh, I, I enjoyed working almost with everybody. Granted, now, I preferred... You know, working with uh, Tim Horner or Brady Boone or um, Owen Hart and Bret Hart, then just going out there, you know, just with a monster and not having the match, but a sign of a good worker, he could work with anybody. I'm not, I was never, to this day, I'm not a limited worker. I mean, I could go out there with uh, The Undertaker and make him look good in three minutes, and I can go out there with Bret Hart, and we could have a 12-minute TV match, and it'll be good. See, most guys can't pull that off. It's one or the other. They, they don't know their role or, you know what I mean? They can't, they, they're just, they're there just to be thrown around. They, they don't know how to wrestle. And in my eyes, I was taught by the best. To this day, you call me biased or whatever, but Malenko's the best. And I, I emphasize, I say Malenko, but I should say Malenko's with the S. That's very important. But uh, getting back to your good question, um... Yeah, the Owen Hearts and, and, and the people of that nature, that was my favorite. As far as uh, not working with somebody, I mean, I'm a trooper, I'm a pro. I mean, I didn't uh, I didn't enjoy taking Coco Beware's Brain Buster. It was a shoot. Dropped on my head too many times. I mean, I had neck surgery from that stupid thing. Um, I didn't mind working with him, but that I should have uh, opened up my mouth more and it's a it's a bad move. I, I don't I don't like that move. It's uh, compresses your neck and the spine, and you know you got to know when to say no. And as far as anybody else, um, I can't think of anybody really nothing not not to come of light of that would uh, uh, bother me or not want to work with. You know. You know from. From there, you went on to the GWF, which had some serious talent working for them at that time. Uh, really a great, and I would encourage our fans to check that out on the WWE Network, some of those episodes. What are some of your uh, best memories of working in the GWF? I liked it because it was the world-famous Dallas Sportatorium. I always wanted to conquer that and be uh, on my to-do list and where I wrestle list. The ring was friggin' like... Uh, going out into the street, pure pavement with a canvas on it, and it never moved from that building. It was bolted to the floor. Hmm. It's probably still standing there unless they demolished a building. So very hard to take humongous bumps on there. I mean, <laughs> it was a stiff ring. As far as going there, I loved it. I liked the format. Uh, I liked all the guys there I got to work with. Uh, there was a plethora of different guys there that were similar to my style. Um, I remember Ben Jordan and Sam Sam Houston and the Handsome Stranger and uh, the Patriot and um, God the Dark Patriot and Eddie Gilbert and then uh, Bruce um, Pritchard was my manager and uh, that reminds me Bruce Pritchard was my manager but. I guess I'm not allowed to be on this podcast. I guess I'm not good enough for those people. <laughs> the, the highfalutin podcasts, I call them. Mm. So, well, that's another story. But anyway, uh, that's what I liked about Global. I, I liked their commentary. Uh, was it uh, Scott Hudson and, and Craig, um, what was his last name? Craig, I can't remember his name, but... Great. Those guys were good announcers. I really liked it. So I enjoyed my... I wish I could have stayed there longer or got on board uh, quicker, but uh, definitely enjoyed the global wrestling fan. And a lot of my fans uh, remember that, too. I've got... By the way, my fans are... They're really good. My fans are... Everybody says they're the best in this, but my fans are just... Uh, I think they're very respectful and dedicated to my craft, and I like that. So I got to... I appreciate their support very much. 
You know, um, interesting thing there with the GWF was uh, there was four guys who really stuck out, four or five. Uh, one was Mick Foley, um, then a young, you know, JBL, Justin Hawk Bradshaw was there, the Harlem Heat, and also Raven. Was there anything about that group of guys that really stuck out to you at the time? Because, I mean, all four of them, you know, went on for Hall of Fame careers. Really three of them and then the tag team featuring Booker T with Harlem Heat. I remember I may have worked with them once. That was pretty cool. I forgot that they were there, and they started. I liked that. I liked the gimmick. I liked everything about it. Um, I like see. I like both of those guys. Booker was a um, really cool guy. Um, as far as um, I'm trying to think, you said uh, Booker, Raven. Who else? Um, Mick Foley actually spent some time there. Mick Foley and JBL. Um, I didn't know that it, that Mick Foley was there. See, oh, that's before I got there. Okay. And, um, yeah, JBL. Huh. I did not know that. I, that was before my time. I, I was there uh, when Raven was there and uh, Harlem Heat was there. So, yeah, pretty cool. Why do you think they couldn't compete in the long term with WWF and WCW despite having the ESPN contract and being on TV? Why do you feel they eventually folded? Uh, why, why do you feel that they eventually folded? Uh, they had an ESPN contract, they were on TV, that they couldn't compete. I thought it was pretty cool. I think, um, I don't know, I used to watch that, and then um, uh, USWA was on there, and uh, of course uh, AWA with Kurt Henning and all those other guys. Yeah, I don't know why. I, I did watch it for years, though. It was pretty cool. I mean, it was with some old matches. You know, let me ask you this question, too. A lot of people don't realize this, but back in 1993, there was a very big feud going on in the WWF with Jerry the King Lawler and Bret Hart. And it had led into what was supposed to be a match at the Survivor Series with Jerry Lawler and his three knights. Eventually, Jerry Lawler had some legal issues. He couldn't do it. But it was uh, you, uh, Greg Valentine, and I forget the third night. I think Jeff Gaylord was uh, the three knights. What what was that like, kind of being thrust into that role? Uh, really, your first pay per view with the with the WWF on the actual main pay per view, and did you know? How, do you feel that if Lawler didn't get in trouble, there would have been more to that entire storyline of having knights by him, or was that a one off? Um, I know he got in some legal battles. I, I don't know, and I don't care. Um, but uh, I just know that when you're under contract, you have to show up to every event just in case. And my just-in-case came great because, I mean, <laughs> excuse me, I was taking the place of Terry Funk. And that's an honor right there. And it was just, they made my outfit within one hour. And it was, it was awesome to, to do that and be part of it. And then I went on to being the Red Knight for about six more months. Uh, they had gave me various partners. And... Uh, yeah, I, th I thought it was really cool. We were the main event, and it was Boston Gardens, which is an iconic building. One of my favorites up there with Madison Square Garden and the Philadelphia Spectrum. And, um, yeah, it was fun. It was it was packed. It was, uh, it was uh, but I handled it, you know, I just, you know, what, what made me feel good about myself, I mean, I was... I wasn't ready, you know, I, I, I'm always in shape to wrestle and whatnot, and I just had to get ready real quick, and, um, but otherwise it was, uh, it was business as usual, and it was fun business as usual, because uh, anytime I'm in there with the hearts, again, all iconic figures, uh, of course my favorite, Owen, and I'm not just saying that, but I wrestled Owen Hart more than anybody in the world. <laughs> numerous times with every gimmick he had except for when I when I when he first appeared in Calgary but uh uh yeah I wrestled him hundreds of times and loved wrestling Owen it's my style of wrestling my forte so to speak and you know the biggest storyline of your entire career obviously uh the summer of 1995 with Chris Candido of the Bonnie Dada, his name there was Skip, but everybody knew it was Chris Candido. So how did you find out you were going to get that big push going into SummerSlam 95? 
And how was Chris with it? He was so new to the company, and here he is having to put over somebody who hadn't won on TV in so many years. How, how did all that come about, and what was his reaction? First, how it came about was I wasn't... It was kept under wraps big time. I actually knew from Kevin Nash, because he was in the know. He was also had the the world title strap, and he liked me, and he pulled me to the side, and he says, they're going to do something with you tonight. Of course, I didn't believe it. I thought it was a rib, but I went along with the rib. And I said, okay, and then I was told um, going to catering, uh, Pat Patterson is sitting there at a table. I sat with him at a table, and we went over the whole thing, and it was a shoot. And um, he says, I don't know how long we're going to go with this, but we'll see. It went on for a year. I mean, I was at every pay-per-view. I uh, did a commercial for Karate Fighters with Hakushi. I played on the celebrity softball game in Anaheim when uh, they had the WrestleMania there, and I think Sean was the main event. Mm-hmm. Um, was at the Slammies. Uh, was in your house. All those pay-per-views I was a, a participant of. Uh, they made a shirt for me. That was pretty cool. They were selling it, you know, on the 1-800 of the night of the event. At the famous Pittsburgh Civic Arena, a.k.a. the Igloo, a.k.a. that's where they filmed Van Damme's Sudden Impact movie. Yeah. I bet you didn't know that. Oh, yeah. That was in Oh, you did know that. Summer 95, yeah. That's it, yes. So, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was, uh, as far as Skip... Handling is a true professional. He did what I would do, what Kurt Angle would do, and I bring him up because he's a true professional. It's it's doing your job, so to speak, literally. Uh, and anybody who doesn't, they're a mark for themselves, and they got issues. I mean, there's ways of putting people over. It's not like I don't give a crap attitude, but they'll get somebody else to do it. Maybe not as good as I did it, but my point is... You know, like Bill Belichick says, do your job, you know, and that's what it's a matter of. If you're in the land of make-believe, I mean, it is sports entertainment. It's not, you know, not anybody could be a pro wrestler. Like Dr. Death Steve Williams said, uh, wrestling ain't ballet. You know, everybody be a pro wrestler that wants to be or in sports and what have you. So, uh, yeah, it's... um, that was, that's, I was just being a true professional, and, and like like I said, uh, um, Chris was a true pro and never heard any backlash, but loved wrestling him. It was like a night off. It was like going on vacation. We had fun. See, that's what a lot of guys don't understand today's business or even old business. The bottom line is get the match over, not you. Get the match over. There's a big difference. Getting you over and thinking you're the world champion. Now listen, if you really think you're that good and that tough, what you need to do is quit pro wrestling, sign up with Dana White, UFC, get in there with Brock, he'll beat your face in, in about three three seconds, and you'll wish you're back in the Madison Square Garden uh, wrestling somebody. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, you know, Two guys who, you know, towards the telling your uh, career in the WWF there, uh, your, your time in the WWF, were Stone Cold Steve Austin and Triple H. And there's a bottom of the card, there's a middle of the card, and obviously there's the main event. Well, you know, during your final days there, Steve Austin and, and Triple H, they weren't at the bottom of the card, but they were still pretty far from the main event. They were right there in the middle. What jumped out to you about guys like Stone Cold Steve Austin and Triple H and here we are years later. Are, are you even close to being surprised that they made it as big as they did? Uh, hmm, I don't know. I mean, uh, I'm glad for Steve Austin. I mean, um, actually, um, he did well for himself. Because coming from stunning Steve Austin to kick-ass Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, I think he's, uh, yeah... I think he's come a long way, and then his show, that the things he did after wrestling and his movies and his shows, uh, gotta give him guy props, uh, his podcasts, and uh, yeah, I thought I thought he'd do all right. As far as Triple H, no, I didn't think it would go that far. Um, no, I uh, I don't know. Uh, I wrestled him a few times, and I remember 
think I was one of his first match when he was actually Hunter Hearst Hemsley. And uh, I never had an issue with him. My matches were fine with him. His finish was fine. Same with Steve Austin. And, you know, a, a big thing with uh, Triple H was his uh, friendship with Shawn Michaels, which obviously formed DX. You know, this was a little bit after you had already left for WCW. There's that in- infamous Montreal screw job, and you've talked about how much respect you had for Bret Hart and the Hart family. You know, watching that from afar, were you surprised when that happened with uh, McMahon and Bret Hart in Montreal and the, the change finish to the match and really the, the, the very notorious way everything went down? Yeah, I, I really was surprised. I mean, <sighs> I don't get it. I mean, we're all adults here. I mean, <laughs> there's so many ways you could have did it. I mean, Brett's leaving. I don't think he wanted to lose in Canada. I don't know this for a fact. I'm just, I'm just a witness from afar. I'm, I'm up in the cheap seats looking at this, and that's how I look at it. You could have just let Sean be. You the thing right in the beginning, and he uses his finish. I mean, and then the quick, quick count uh, was a bit immature, and it could have been handled better on both parties. Um, and to this day, I, I really don't know who knew about it and who knew this and who knew that. And again, I really don't care. And uh, it's stupid. <laughs> it's just, you know, who knows if the whole thing wasn't all planned, a big scam and the joke's on us. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have said it might have been a work, you know, for sure. And then even, you know, much worse than that, when, when uh, reality really starts to set in is... Uh, you know, what happened to Owen Hart? You know, uh, about a year and a half later, you've already said a couple times here how much you appreciated working with Owen Hart. You know, how hard was that to, to have to see? And, and did the WWE do the right thing by letting the show go on? Uh, number one, that shouldn't have happened. A wrestler of, of his magnitude and caliber doesn't need to fly from the ceiling. Get somebody who don't know a wrist lock from a wristwatch like the Ultimate Warrior fly from the ceiling to cover up the holes in his match that, you know, he can't work. But that's another story. But it's nice he's, he's, he's the blue blazer and he's just, you never had him fly from the ceiling ever before. He would have got the same reaction if he ran in. And maybe, who knows, the gizmo or the gimmick thing that he should have been lowered into the ring and uh, the pimp master or whatever should have got the heat on him, and then he finally gets out of it, makes a comeback, and then he beats him. That would have been the best thing. Um, I've been to that building twice since that happened. Went early. That's a hell of a drop, number one. It's in Kansas City. I think that's called... I forgot the name of the arena. Yeah, Kemper. Kemper Arena. I was thinking Kiefer. (laughs) That's yogurt. (laughs) Kemper Arena. And uh, it shouldn't have happened. There's no reason. You you didn't have to do that. You never did it before. And Owen's work is so good. Who cares? Um, You know, the only one that did that, and I like it, is Sting. But it wasn't. He could work. But it added to the Sting character. Think about it. It's just like Undertaker coming out. He always did the slow walk. Once in a while, you could wheel him out in the coffin, whatever. But that's, it goes, it, 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 it gels with the gimmick. And they didn't need to have that. And the matches should have been stopped. Yeah, I, I agree completely. How are you going to go on after that and follow that? The people are petrified. They're scared. There's kids in the audience. There's blood on the on the apron that you can't get out. Have some fucking respect. Yeah, I agree. Discuss, it, it disgusts me. What, business as usual? Fuck that. I don't agree with it. Yeah, no, I agree completely with, with, with where you're coming from. It was a bit much. And then you, you had mentioned Sting, though. You had spent some time in, in WCW uh, during a good a good three years or almost, where you saw that company rise to the number one wrestling promotion in the world and then saw it pretty much collapse. What helped it get so big, and then what the hell went wrong? I don't know. I don't know if it's making Goldberg or the champ. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's that or... Oh, 
Only is that the company that put the world title on David Arquette? Mm, that, that may have something to do with it. <laughs> Let's see, or, or blew eight million dollars in one year, or ten million dollars with uh, random gimmicks that made no sense. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I wish it did stay afloat because I was there and I was ready to do an, an angle and program with Alan Funk, and that got squashed. And nobody calls me and tells me. They call you and tell you when they need you, but when professionalism happens and they're supposed to phone call you and say, you know, you're not getting plane tickets or this company's been sold to Vince McMahon, you know, I don't know who's in charge of it. I think Jimmy Hart was in charge of some of those phone calls or somebody like that caliber. You know, give me a phone call. Have some friggin' respect. It's the, it's the pecking order on the totem pole. See, if, if you're... It depends who you are, and I'm just using names randomly. If you're up there in that main event spot and you do a rib or if you do wrong, or you do, you're excused. But if I did it, I'm not. See, so let's make an example. I, I don't go for that shit. It's wrong. If you want to talk about accountability and work effort and hard and who's never failed a drug test and who could, uh, who, who could, um, who could wrestle... Who could maneuver? Who could work? Okay, I check all the boxes. I don't know too many guys that, that do, so, you know, don't play that bullshit with me. There's little penny-ass games. Uh, that went out in high school wrestling. <laughs> Grow up. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. So, uh, last question for you here, and we want to thank you again for joining us today. This has been great. Very much appreciate you. You know, Barry, uh, Barry, before we get to that final question, you know, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, Mr. Technical and all the different media platforms that have been able to help you out and really everywhere where our fans can find you. Yes, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, definitely Cameo.com is my number one go-to. Also, uh, ProWrestlingTees.com, uh, YouTube, Facebook, uh, WWE Network, Peacock, and also there'll be a documentary coming out, I'm assuming the Peacock Network, between June and July, uh, a backstory of Barry Horowitz, if you will. I don't know if it's an hour or two hours, but uh, we filmed it in Florida in December, and it was it was great. It was really awesome. I, I just can't, I can't wait to see the finished product. So, um, yeah, that's... Uh, that's um, that's all my uh, people that help me out, and of course my fan support, all the fan mail I get, and how how uh, how they treat me. Uh, you know, there's something to that because the fans are different than they are 20 years ago, Vince. They're they know what's going on. The smart marks, you know what I'm talking about. They know what I'm talking about. And if you're trying to pull the wool over their eyes. <laughs> You're going to get F-bombed because they're going to, you know, they don't want to be degraded like that. They're, they're not stupid. And then you do have some of your fans that they just don't know any better. And I'm not knocking them or anything, but most of your smart marks are, they are smart. They, they, they read a lot. They watch a lot. And they know what's going on. And ever since um, the title is technically changed, pardon the pun, but uh, pro wrestling it's sports entertainment, and you're supposed to say that, I guess, always. Not say wrestling, or you got to say that, but I'm not under contract, so I say wrestling, and that's the way it goes with me. <laughs> yeah, I still do. You know, I, I, I definitely call it wrestling. One last question for you here, and, and thank you so much for this time, and, and obviously we'll, we'll definitely have you on again. Um, but just to kind of wrap it up here as we approach the half-an-hour mark, do you think... You know, and this is a two-part question for you, but do you think do you think number one that there should be uh, a wing of the WWE Hall of Fame for enhancement talent, men such as yourself, the Brooklyn Brawler, Dusty Wolf, some of those guys that were there for many many years, even you know Scotty Tuhati, Scott Taylor in the beginning, um, guys who were so influential in putting other people over. And speaking of the Hall of Fame, is there you know anybody out there that you feel? isn't in there that should be in there as well as there, there's people who aren't there's people who are in there that shouldn't be a lot of people don't think you mentioned him earlier but a guy like coco beware and there's certain you know different celebrity names but how do you feel about all that what would you change about it uh, first of all first ballot uh uh i'm a first ballot inductee 
into the New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame as of last July, but since COVID, they postponed it. I guess eventually I'll get there, maybe this year. Uh, I heard it's pretty important. I heard that one, the WWE one, is like lower on the list, and then the real Hall of Fame, I guess it came out of New York, went to Texas, and it's back in New York. Um, you have a, a valid point there, you know? <laughs> the enhancement wing which is great. What I don't get is they'll do these ridiculous, some of these angles, the 24-hour champion, Pat Patterson pinning somebody or Jerry Briscoe or some, just some gimmick. I know it's entertainment, but something outlandish. And then you'll bring in Bob Euchre or Kid Rock into the Hall of Fame, but you, you won't do an enhancement. What People would go insane. I really think they don't have to make it ours, but guys that really deserve to be there. Now, there's certain people that, no, they don't deserve to be there. There's certain top guys that don't deserve to be even in that Hall of Fame. Uh, where's Rick Martell? I don't get that at all. Owen Hart should be in there. Rick Martell should be in there. I should be in there. Um, God, who else uh, that I could think of? Uh, I mean... There's so many, and I'm not trying to put myself over or anything, but why not try it one year? What do you got to lose? You're a billion-dollar company. What? Try something new. You did everything else that some of that shit didn't even make sense. Uh, but, no, it's a great idea. Not just because I'm involved, but it's just a great idea. I, th I think... I think your hardcore fans would love it. It's not all about, it's got to be the main event, the main event. The main. You know, some of these fans want to hear from Barry Horowitz. They want to hear from uh, uh, um, Sam Houston or Ben Jordan or Tim Horner or uh, Brad Armstrong or the Armstrong Brothers or the list goes, you know what I'm saying? The list goes on and on. I'm trying to, Dutch Mantel, um, you know, I'm just trying to, bring on different people and it adds flavor to the stew but they don't and I don't get the writers I don't I don't get any some of their stuff makes about as much sense as a one-legged fireman kicking down a screen door in a submarine <laughs> doesn't make sense yeah. think about it yeah. Think about it. And it's it's ludicrous really. They they can't even why don't you even try it? Why don't you try okay, this year we're gonna induct the handsman number one. Do it every year. One guy, two guys. What's wrong with that? Nothing. But you'll think of other things that you spent thousands or maybe millions on one segment again made no sense at all. I don't get it. And you know what I would do? I would love to go right up to Vince. I have nothing against Vince or Triple H and just or whoever the powers to be and ask them that. And then <clears throat> bring me out on a Monday Night Raw. Play my music. Let me pat myself on the back. And you know I'm in great shape. I'm not ready. I'm not wrestling because I don't need to anymore. I don't want to. I guarantee you those people will pop. If they don't, Vince, don't pay me. Don't pay me at all. I'll leave and I'll go home. Guess what? I'll win. Oh, I'll fucking win. I'll get a pop. And I'll get more than one. Yeah, I again, man, I, I couldn't agree more. What's that? So I, yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. Absolutely. Um, so, what... That's your job? Not everybody could be a superstar. It'd be boring. Think about it. I mean, my Patriots lost. My Buccaneers won. I mean, there's got to be a winner. There's got to be a loser. But if you could get an enhancement guy that could do both, which is that's me, that's important. And what do I mean by that? What do I mean? I could go out there again, and I could go out there with a one-man gang, make him look like a friggin' monster. If it's done right, yes. If it's done wrong, he draws you nothing. They don't think he's a monster. So that part's important. But at the same time, I could go out there with Bret Hart. He's the world champion. We could go 10 minutes on TV. He beats me with his finish, but I give him a match. 
A regular guy that's just enhancement, he can't give him a match. He don't know the spots. He don't know the holds. He don't know moves. He's not established. When people are done watching me 9.9 at ringside or in the cheap seats or whatever you wherever they're seated, they go, well, Barry Horowitz is a wrestler. He's a professional wrestler. He, he does know the difference between a wrist lock and a wrist watch. Yeah. I'm a trained professional. It's not just clothesline kicks, leapfrogs. I do almost everything except flipping outside the ring and stuff like that. I just don't do that. Just like some of these guys don't do an Indian death lock. They don't even know how to spell it. So, you know, it, there's room for everybody on the card in my eyes. It's just, you got to do it properly. That's all. I'm glad you said that. And I'm going to ask you one real quick bonus question here. Um, you just said about how there's, yeah, and this is, to me, I feel is a good one. <laughs> to me, this is a good one, quite frankly. You said how there's, there's room for everybody on the card. You know, I look at the eighties and the nineties and I'm, I'm, I'm straight up being honest here. The only time you saw women is if they were half naked or if they were disgustingly ugly, right? So either you saw beauty Queens or you saw these big beasts would come in like a bull Nakano or, um, a birth of Faye, something along those lines. And it was a show. It was a gimmick. Now here we are, you know, as a father of two daughters, I'm very proud of the fact that the world of professional wrestling has such good female talent in it that it could actually put together good matches. I'm just, you know, how do you feel about that? Because that is such a drastic change from what got wrestling over to begin with. My statement is, first of all, people know me. I don't even have to defend myself or explain myself, but my answer will be a total shoot. First of all, the women are out wrestling the men in some in some cases. I'm watching some good ass chain wrestling. Now, not all. I'm not going to name the companies. Some are good, some are bad. Most of them that are really good. I'm being biased here, but they're probably being trained by men because they're wrestling like men. Yep. Now they're they're going for submissions. They're doing the arm drags. They're doing the chain wrestling. They're hitting ropes. What I've only caught. And if I was an agent or a trainer in the back, what I would correct is some of the slaps, the forearms could be laid in a little bit better, and the kicks, uh, and hit the ropes with authority. But for the most part, I'm seeing these women bust their ass. I'm seeing Charlotte Flair cut moonsaults off the, off the ring post. She's arm dragging. Her finish is phenomenal, whoever thought of that. Incredible. It fits her. Her promos are flawless. Um, the, I'm seeing the, the girls in the All Elite, the NWA girls. They're busting their ass. They look good. They're ripped. Uh, some are bigger. I mean, and then there's only a handful that have some weekends. And the only thing I'm saying weekends is, like I said, hitting the ropes with authority and um, laying the forms, punches, and kicks a little bit better. Um, but that that comes that comes with experience. So I'm not knocking it. I'm saying this is what I would correct, and I would correct them properly. I would never demean somebody. I'm trying to help them. I'm trying to teach them how Malenko's taught me, and they never demean me or anything like that. They they want me to learn. That's how you do learn, not by getting scalded or unless you're being a jack off and you're disrespectful and you go, I know, I know. No, you don't know, fuckwad. You don't know. You've not been around the world. You've had uh, you've had fifty matches in your life compared to my five thousand. So don't tell me you're experienced. You haven't been up and down the roads. You haven't slept in your car. You haven't worked for five zero at at night. Uh, you haven't wrestled in a bar. You haven't paid your mofo dues, and you need to. If I had my way, everybody should be broken in in Japan, then come over to the states, and you'll learn how to be a respectable worker. What about okay? So, so to to touch on that with you, then I've felt this way for a long time. Was a long time fan about paying those dues. Um, I mean, I realize I'm a journalist now and, and uh, a show host and all that good stuff. But let let's be honest about this. I'm a fan. I wouldn't be on the phone with you if I wasn't. So, to me, you know, I'll straight up say it. I don't care. So, but bottom line is now they have this performance center out there in Florida, and where I mean, again, where are the dues being paid? It's air conditioning. It's everything else. You wrestle once a week. 
I mean, I understand that it's great, and, and the WWE will tell you a hundred times over how great it is, but at the end of the day, what is what has it produced? The TV ratings, everything's been down for almost 10 years. It's been almost unwatchable at points. What's it really doing? I really can't answer that. Uh, Vince, I... I, I um... Okay, it's a new age. I understand. There is still old school schools. There's there's one in Baltimore. I bet you every town, Florida has them. They, you know, and when I mean old school, I mean a a, um, a a storage a storage place or a rundown gym or something at the YMCA. They have a room, and 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 all you need is a ring or some mats and somebody that could teach right. When I mean teach right, <laughs> I learned this. A long time ago from Steve Kern, you know, when you're wrestling somebody and you go, hey, how long have you been in the wrestling business? And the guy says, 12 years. And, oh, wow, you think, that's not the question to ask him. The question is, how many matches have you had, kid? And if he says 50 in 12 years, well, you need to help this guy. Now, if he says, yeah, I've been wrestling 12 years and had uh, 12,000 matches, that's pretty damn good. See what I'm saying? So, um... When it comes to the facility and the work, I mean, they're the, they're the cream of the crop. I understand that. I mean, it's not your fault if you want to be a pro wrestler in, in, in the year 2021 and 2019 that you have to go there. I mean, I don't know how it works. I don't know how much it costs. I mean, it's the, it's the Mercedes of training, I'm sure. Uh, it's pretty cool, and then your platform is NXT, and I don't know certain people who like you or don't like you, how that works, but I still believe in the old-school way of getting taught properly in these in these smaller venues and then progress to the WWE or Japan Wrestling or All Elite or Ring of Honor or uh, NWA. We won't mention um, Impact because... Um, yeah, they don't have to return a phone call. So in in Barry's eyes, uh, no phone call, no money. So that's how I operate. And uh, but I, I really used to think Scott Demore was my good buddy and ran shows in Canada. And yeah, he hasn't returned a phone call in two years. I guess he's really busy. Hmm, let me, but that's funny. I can get the producers of WWE to call me, but oh, Scott Demore can't call. I'm done putting his name over, by the way. So we won't mention... <clears throat> again so anyway as far as getting that out yeah i don't know what to say um you know you either got the money for these small uh, in these local places and now let me tell you something i've been to some especially in the last oh, about two months i was in buffalo new york and let me tell you something nickel city wrestling they got their shit together you go on online, go to YouTube, whatever. Let me tell you something. Their facility is phenomenal. It's two in one. They can run shows. They've got two beautiful rings in there. It's decorated in black and red. They have a concession stand. They have a merch uh, stand. They have a locker room. They have weights. They have a training room to teach guys to wrestle, and they run shows. And the guys are respectful, and some of these guys have been working a few years. And they want to learn. And I did a two-hour seminar with these guys on hands-on verbally and physically. And I have no complaints. I'm looking forward to going back and and seeing these guys again. They're so respectful. But the owner, uh, Stephen, he is just phenomenal how he's got this thing set up. It's like a half hour from the airport. And again, Nickel City Wrestling. And I'm not just trying to throw them out there. They treated me so good, but they got their act together, and that's the way you'll succeed and progress. And these guys are, they're doing good. They're, I'm impressed. I'm very impressed. It's one of the few, I mean, I've been to a lot of different schools and seminars, but this one's in my top three. I'm very, very impressed. So, uh, I mean, I like that kind of stuff. I I like that old school mentality, and uh, there's a little bit of old school and Old school and new school. And that's how I look at myself, too, as far as is, uh, wrestling. Because how, about, how many times you watch an NFL football game where a guy does a spin, something on the defense or the offense, and he does it last year, but then the commentary says, 
Oh, I've seen a guy back, uh, Mean Joe Green, do that in Pittsburgh in, in 1964. It doesn't change. An arm drag's an arm drag. A leg drag's a leg drag. Uh, a vertical suplex, a ver- you, don't, you know what I mean? You could tweak it, but it's all the same. That's how I look at it. Things do change. Everybody changes different things and, you know, going outside the ring, which, I mean, that's cool, but the ring, the match should be inside the ring. That's, that's the name of the wrestling ring. So you stay inside. If you want to venture out once in a while, but not stay out there for five minutes doing flip-flop, flip-flop over tables, and uh, I don't get it. The only people who really see it is ringside anyway. So. Yep. That's my rant rant on that. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's all good, and you're not really missing anything with Impact, I can tell you that. I, I say, uh, you know, with Impact, it's just, it's, don't, don't worry too much. So, yeah, we won't talk about that. But, honestly, it's, it's bad. But, oh, it's, it's terrible. But, here we are, though, at the end of the interview. We want to thank you again for giving us a few extra minutes there. Um, uh, I'm going to let you go right now. But before I do, I, I want you to go ahead and plug uh, everything again on, on how fans can follow you and get a hold of you and, and possibly book you. Uh, you book me through Facebook, and I want uh, the promoters, the local promoters to know, or any promoter, um, you're actually talking to my nephew. He handles it. He's an IT guy. The reason is I got burnout, and I got too busy to handle it. So he handles superficial, superficial questions. Hey, I went to high school with you. How are you, Barry? Hey, I'm doing good. As far as getting a hold of me, booking me, talking numbers, uh, he'll uh, screen it, and then he'll have you get in touch with me. Do not get in touch with me through Facebook, because sometimes uh, it slips in the cracks. Old school phone prevails. It works every single time. I've never seen it fail unless the phone's out of order. Facebook, hey, did you get my thing? No, I, I missed it. Something happened on the internet. Yeah, let's not go with go with that uh, as far as booking Barry Horowitz. As far as uh, the Cameo.com is doing great pro wrestling tees, I'm on there. The WWE Network, I'm on there. Also, uh, YouTube, again, Facebook, the Cameo. Uh, and that's, uh, that's uh, my platforms, and they're, they're pretty strong, especially the Cameo. It's really doing good. Um, I'm getting, uh, I didn't even realize it. I don't keep up with it like my son does. He takes care of my, my um, some of my, uh, my side promotion stuff as far as uh, booking me for, for the cameos. He takes care of all that. And he says, he says, like, almost every cameo I do, I get a five-star rating and a tip or a five-star rating. And I go, what? And he says, yeah, people see this. I said, oh, wow, I didn't know it, or they'll send comments, because I give my fans what they want. If they, if they, if they, if they contact my son, hey, I need, wish, happy birthday, this, this, I don't go out there and try to get myself over. They know who I am. They want a happy birthday. Hey, I want you to bury this guy. I'll do it. I do what the fans want. Why? They're my customer. They're my customer as far as cameo goes. As far as anything else goes, they're fans, and I respect that. And, uh, yeah, it's great. And I think I got four or five shirts on ProWrestlingTees.com, and then there's a bunch of different little things on YouTube with me on there. A couple of my little uh, technical shows, uh, Speaking Technical with Barry Horowitz, and I think there's a couple on there. I'm also on uh, the Monty and the Pharaoh show. I have did two of those. That's kind of cool uh, wrestling show. So uh, I'm basically uh, all over the place, and now I've got new merch. When I do, um, I'll be traveling out next week. I've actually got mini-me's of Barry Horowitz. They're action figures, but they're about two inches high. They're really, really cool. And they're brand new. And then I'll be getting uh, lapel pins with picture of me patting myself on the back. Also, I've got new 8x10 color pictures. I'm always changing those up around. And uh, I think what else is a pendant and a new t-shirts. As we speak, a new t-shirt. And in 10 months, I will be getting a brand new licensed action figure uh, comparable to the Hasbro one. This is coming out of New York. The rest of my merch is coming out of California. So, uh, I'm uh, still rising to the top and still going. My only thing that I would, my legacy I would leave for this, my career of over 25 years, 
is I do want to be a pro wrestling coach. I, I, I crave it. I love it. I have a passion for it. And I think I do it well. I'm not the best. I'm not trying to sh- outshine anybody or take their spot. All I want to do is contribute to the potion, to the stew, to make the product better. Again, not trying to get myself over, trying to get the match over. So, if there's anybody out there listening and they want a real good coach, yeah, you may. Do you need to see my resume? Do you need to give me a tryout? I mean, it's disrespectful, but if you want that and you're going to pay me, I'll do it, and I'll, and I'll pass with flying colors, unless you just don't like me or jealous, or you think I'm going to take your spot, which I'm not into. And that's that. Well, that is that with Barry Horowitz, and we appreciate having him on. And fans, before we let you go, we do want to let you know that we had booked Barry today for 25 minutes. He went 50. So if there was ever a man who could absolutely deliver on his word, it is definitely Barry. Um, I would I would urge you guys to get a hold of him. A tremendous job. want to thank you again, and we'll catch up with you soon down the road. There's a lot of so-called great wrestlers in the world of professional wrestling, but Barry Horowitz wrestles great. I love it. All right, take care, sir. Thank you. Thank you. So that was Barry Horowitz giving us all the time he could today, or a ton of time. Can't thank him enough. A lot of interesting things he said there, too, about um, you know d- different things with Owen Hart and the screw job. Was it actually a work? Big man in WWE should have stopped that, uh, stopped the show when no one got hurt or fatally felt it was death, actually. Um, and a lot of things, good things he said, too, about wrestlers paying their dues. Um, obviously, the Performance Center is an amazing thing, but at that same time, what are they learning about paying their dues, the finer points? You know, sometimes it doesn't matter how many years you've been around, but how many matches, true matches, have you been in? All great stuff for Barry Horowitz again today. You've been listening to Keon Sports. Again, stay tuned with us later this week. We'll have on the Patriot, Del Wilkes, as well as Dory Funk Jr. and Bill DeMont. For our guest today, Barry Horowitz, I'm Vince McKee. Everybody have a good day. You've been listening to the Keon Sports Network.